Talking with T-Bird is back again. And here we are back to talk today with a fellow Survivor Africa castmate today. We're going to talk with Lindsay Richter from Survivor Season 3. And a woman who was on the tribe back on Samburu back in the day with Lindsay. Here is the great Teresa T-Bird Cooper. Hello, Rob. Yes, I'm really excited about talking to Lindsay today. I mean, she, yep, we started out together on that amazing adventure on day one, and quickly, yeah. we were a tribe divided. So, yeah. yeah, what what amazing and crazy memories. Yes, T-Bird, I bet Lindsay is going to have a ton of stories about what you were really like out there. I know that everybody thinks that, you know, you're always in a good mood. I bet she has a bunch of stories about how uh, rough it might have been to live with you out there. I know Lindsay's going to definitely have some stories, that's for sure. <laughs> She's tough. Listen, she is she is a tough girl. And, you know, when we when I played with her, she was 26. Yeah. And now she's 46 now, but she still looks like she's 26. And she's got the same energy that she had 20 years ago. So it's going to be really fun to talk to her and see where her survivor story leads into all the amazing stuff that she's doing now. Okay. All right. Uh, looking forward to catching up today with Lindsay on a Samburo reunion edition of Talking with T-Bird. Uh, T-Bird, how have you been? Been good. Been good. Yeah. I'm going to search for our talk with T-Bird. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you just like uh, going through your uh, f- contacts on your phone? Like, uh, t- what's your process? Well, I've got, first off, I have the list that you gave me when we started last yeah. year. Yeah. You gave me a small, very small list. And then your RHAP patrons have been so generously sending me all kinds of names of people to get oh, yeah. um, between oh, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And I keep a list, Rob, I've mentioned this several times, but I keep a list. And every time somebody mentions another one, if they're not on the list, I add them or I put check marks beside them. And I've got some with lots of check marks. And so there's a few people I started last year trying to get. Um, that I'm still working on that I have all kind of checks by their name. So that's really how it goes. I just keep reaching out, reaching out, and I wait about two or three months between reaching out to some that I've bothered, just really bothered that I know that everybody wants to hear from. So I that's that's kind of how it started. Okay. All right. Well, T-Bird, uh, you've been uh, really delivering here in the extended Survivor off-season, uh, T-Bird, that normally we'd be saying like, okay, well, Survivor's about to come back. So, okay, uh, this was uh, fun for the off-season, but we are just getting started. 
I know, Rob. We haven't even talked about this. We haven't. Even, we have not even done contract negotiations. Oh, so you're oh, right. Wait, hold on. But I'm glad you've mentioned this because we need to get everybody involved on this contract negotiations. Maybe I need to get. Gosh, do I need do I know a good attorney? I'm gonna have to look it look into this. But you're right. Generally, we're winding up, and I'm trying to come up with you know somebody a really good last guest to have before Survivor starts up. Mm-hmm. And I guess we're going to just keep cranking them out. Yeah. Well, depending on our contract negotiations, of course. Okay. All right. Well, let me know how that all goes uh, when we figure that out. <laughs> I will. Okay. All right. T Bird, before we pick up and talk with Lindsay, let me take a moment and thank a sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Those are our friends over at Sunday Lawn Care. Sunday Lawn Care, uh, they do amazing work for people and they uh, get their lawns green and looking healthy and great. But I think a lot of people probably, okay, it's September. My lawn is not looking so hot. I give up. But now, right now, T-Bird, before the cold comes... This is the right time to work on your lawn because Sunday Lawn Care at GetSunday.com, they're going to come up with a custom lawn care plan to help you get your lawn thriving through the fall and get a head start on the spring. How about that, T-Bird? Okay, it'll be here before you know it. Absolutely. Yeah. My brother, that I don't have a lawn here, uh, that uh, sad story here uh, in uh, Southern California, but my brother back on Long Island, he's a new homeowner and he's getting married next month. He doesn't have a ton of time to devote to this. We got him set up with an account on GetSunday.com. He loved it. He said it was the easiest thing that they use satellite imagery. They tell you exactly what you need. He was telling me they did a fertilizer sample. He took a sample of his, of his soil. He sent it in to getsunday.com. They told him, okay, this is exactly what you need. This is how much nitrogen is in the new. It, it, it was, a, he was blown away. That's exactly what they can do for you in second sunday we'll give you a custom lawn plan based on soil climate and lawn with fortifying nutrients like seaweed extract iron and calcium they build plant strength and encourage root growth for a late season green up and they'll send you everything you need right to your door with free shipping they're gonna tell you exactly what you're getting and they tell you why and you don't need expensive equipment or a green thumb to make your grass healthy again with sunday it's easy they include a nozzle sprayer for watering the lawn and it's not expensive either t-bird that it used to cost hundreds of dollars take up the whole day now Less than 15 minutes and it's $59. You don't need hundreds of dollars or a degree in soil science to have a great lawn. Who has time for that? Just get Sunday. Visit GetSunday.com and try a custom lawn care plan for as little as $59 after getting $10 off with our promo code RHAP20 at checkout. That's GetSunday.com. Promo code RHAP20 at GetSunday.com. Dot com. All right, T-Bird, we got Lindsay on the line. You ready to take it away? Yes, I'm ready. Our guest today graced the cover of TV Guide, hooked on the outdoors, sharing the cover with Mark Burnett, was on the cover of Us Weekly, and was in an Eminem music video for the song Without Me with Jenna Lewis, our Survivor Borneo sister. 
She is special to me for many reasons. I'll start by her being one of my awesome castmates on season three, Survivor Africa, in 2001 in Kenya's Shaba National Reserve. We were dropped off together, given the same buff on the same tribe, Samburu, and from there, we quickly became a tribe divided. The physically brutal game in Africa for this then 26-year-old Oregon cyclist who has described herself as competitive, spirited, and compassionate came out of the game on day 18 after a tie vote and re-vote sent her home for having the most previous votes against her. She left the game with bumps, bruises, a ripped open knee, rope burns, cuts on her body, and a small scar on her face resembling a birthmark that she wears as a reminder that Survivor was the best and worst experience of her life. The physical injuries were immediately apparent, but the psychological and the emotional damage from the game helped contribute to a spell of low self-esteem, followed by a volatile marriage in 2002, which took a toll and compromised her mental health even further. Biking is the sport that saved her life. She has said that if you relate life to a sport, it will change the way you feel about yourself. A healthy mind makes a healthy body, and a healthy body makes for a healthy mind. She began to realize through her own experiences on her bike that mountain biking is a lot like life with ups and downs, finding balance, and overcoming changes. She is the founder of Ladies All Ride, and her mission to change women's lives is simple, with two wheels and some dirt. For her, biking is therapy, peace of mind, and an escape. She is the director of inspiration. She will quickly tell you that, quote, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and what you see is what you get, end quote. She has described herself as a real person. She thought she would be portrayed on the show as the fun, young, athletic one. I didn't know I was going to be edited as a psycho, she said. This now strong, capable, and confident woman will tell you she is, quote, an open book and wanting to share her continued journey in the hopes of helping others. Making her very first appearance on RHAP, I am proud to introduce my castmate, my tribe mate, my friend, and the sassy girl inspiring women everywhere to face fears, believe in themselves, and get rad on mountain bikes. I introduce to you my friend, Lindsay Richter. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Don't make me cry, T-Bird. What an intro. What an intro. So, Lindsay, <laughs> when I was working on this, I was kept reading it back, and in the middle, I would start tearing up, and I thought, because I know you, and I know what a journey that this was for you. So, you know, I'm so glad that you have decided to talk with us today. I think you've got a message that so many people are going to want to hear. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I haven't done something for Survivor in a very long time. It really means a lot that you guys wanted to talk to me. Yeah, well, we're very happy to have you here with us, Lindsay. And I know T-Bird gave us uh, the intro, but uh, do you want to uh, just uh, quickly uh, let us know what you've been up to? 
Yeah. I mean, over the past, uh, I guess, 18 years, I've been, my life has been mountain biking, um, riding mountain bikes, uh, bonding with other mountain bikers, and now trying to get more women into mountain biking. It's pretty much become my whole world. And like T-Bird said, it's uh, it's a life-changing sport. So my intention is to get more women involved because I know a lot of women struggle with debilitating thoughts and low self-esteem and lack of belief in themselves. And I understand firsthand all of those things. And a sport like mountain biking is challenging and scary. And when you learn to do something that physically challenges you and kind of brings up some fear, it can also be very empowering to learn how to face those fears and how to believe in yourself. And I really just have this crazy passion for wanting as many women as possible to see what they're capable of through sport. But Lindsay, can I just get the same thing if I get a Peloton and look at the screen? Isn't, isn't that the same? <laughs> no, it's not the same. There's a very low risk of falling off a cliff on the Peloton. <laughs> oh, well, that, that means it's better, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. It's much safer. You're not going to challenge yourself as much. But no, the Pelotons are great, too. We did, we did those in the winter. <laughs> okay. See, I thought you would really not, not be quite. into the exercise bike. Oh, no, I'm a big fan of it when uh, it's snowy outside and I need to keep my bike fitness up. Yeah. Not quite as much adrenaline, I wouldn't think, Rob. No. <laughs> no. Probably a, not. A lot more sweating in one place on the Peloton. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Lindsay, what part of the country are you mountain biking in? Oh, I mountain bike all over the country. My home base is Bend, Oregon. I grew up in Portland, mm -hmm. uh, but I now live in Bend, which is more of a mountain town, yeah. high desert. Um, but I go everywhere. My camps are all over the country. Even uh, I even throw camps all over the world. I've been to Dubai and France and Switzerland and Italy. Um, I, yeah, I've what does that mean when you do a camp? Uh, I run. It's like an event for women to come and learn how to mountain bike, and they're multiple days long, and they just have a formula where we feed them and bring in sponsor products and just really introduce them to the mountain bike lifestyle through teaching them how to ride and really what the lifestyle is all about. And is it only for women, the camps that you do, or is that the primary audience? Yeah, I have two companies with a business partner. We have Ladies All Ride, which is our mountain bike skills camps just for women, because women kind of need their own environment to learn from other women. It's like I said, a pretty challenging sport. So I think women uh, just relate to women a little bit better when they're doing something that's a little bit intimidating. So our Ladies All Right camps are for women. And then we have a company called Grit Clinics uh, where we teach anyone. And they're mm -hmm. just a little, little less of an event. They're more just a mountain bike skills clinic. And that we have coaches all over the country for both of our companies. So if someone comes to us and maybe a, a boyfriend and a girlfriend want to take a lesson together, yeah. we can, we can connect them with our grit clinics company. But really the ladies all right camps are designed to build community, bring women together to celebrate bikes and life and each other and, you know, really focuses on camaraderie and women supporting women. Lindsay, have you been affected by the wildfires right now in Oregon? Yeah, affected really bad. We're in uh, hazardous conditions. We can't go outside. Uh, the, the fires are about 100 miles away from us, which yeah. is pretty unusual. We usually get fires pretty close to us because we're in the high desert. Um, but it's tragic and awful and we're literally like under a complete blanket of smoke where i'm looking out my window right now and i can't see my neighbor's trees wow it's really sad a lot of our communities have lost the entire town 
Yeah, it's crazy. So you were, I was talking to you, we were supposed to talk a couple of days ago, Rob, but she was out running the Oregon smoke in Montana. She sent me a picture and all you could see was just smoke ahead of her. Yeah, we tried to outrun it and go to Montana. You know, I donated to a bunch of charities and tried to see how I could help locally. Uh, and then we just got the, the heck out of there and still didn't outrun it. Our Oregon and Washington smoke is going all the way across the country. It's actually pretty devastating. Did you have any camps that were scheduled that have been uh, canceled because of the conditions right now? You know what? We did. We, we Well, we had to cancel our whole summer of major mountain bike camps because of COVID, uh, which was a pretty hard mm-hmm. decision. You know, our, our events are all outside and we can social distance pretty well because when, when women come to our camps, they're in small groups the whole time. But the fact that people come from all over the country to our camps, it just didn't feel right having people travel during this time. So that's been kind of depressing, canceling all of our camps. So then we started running these smaller camps just here in Oregon, encouraging only Oregon people to come to them. And we did have a couple of camps scheduled that we had to cancel because literally the conditions are hazardous outside. Like a a normal air quality is, I think, like 80 and we're in the 500s. Wow. Yeah, it's really crazy. And you can feel it. You go outside and your nose starts to burn and your eyes start to itch Mm -hmm. and get watery. And it's so sad. (laughs) Such a bummer. So, Lindsay, let's talk about how this whole Survivor thing started for you. All right. You are 26 years old. You sit in and this goes right into the bicycling. I don't know if people can can actually YouTube your Survivor audition video. I hope they can. First of all, tell us about that. And then you had never seen, I think I read that you had never seen season one or two. What made you decide to audition? Yeah, well, I was, like you said, 26 years old. And I I thought I had my dream job. I was working in an advertising and PR agency. I had my own office with a door and thought I was just the coolest 26-year-old ever. And that was during the dot-com boom mm-hmm. when the the internet was pretty fresh and all these clients from were creating dot-coms and we had all this work to do. And then all of a sudden it just dropped out from underneath us and the dot-com boom crashed and we all got laid off. And this was about February, 2001. And I remember just sitting in my office, looking at this door and I could look out my window and see my dad's building. And it was just so cool. My dad and I would have lunch together. I just was like, I'm, I'm city living I'm doing it. And I remember sitting in my office, just thinking, how am I ever going to find a job this good? And the guy in the office next to me, my friend, Scott, he actually came into my office and dropped the survivor application on my desk and said, Hey, there's this reality TV show. That's pretty new. And it's all athletes like doing these crazy challenges. And I would come in every Monday after a mountain bike race, kind of limping or (laughs) had some sort of scab covered up or (laughs) bruises on my leg. And I had to convince everyone I'm totally not being beat by anyone. I am crashing on my bike in these races. And he just said, this just looks like the perfect fit for you. And I thought, well, I have nothing going on right now. I just got laid off. So I sat in that office and I filled out the paper application, which, as you remember, was like 10 pages mm-hmm. long. And then it said you had to do an audition video. And so I got together with some of my friends and we they had known about Survivor. I didn't really know what it was. 
And we thought athlete. So you have to film yourself doing something athletic, but it's got to be different, you know? And my, one of my friends, Tiffany had said that one of her coworkers had applied for survivor and showed himself doing all the sports he does. And she's like, I think that's what everybody does. You have to stand out. So of course, being the person I am and with the friends I have, they encouraged me to, uh, (laughs) show myself riding my mountain bike sans clothes. And the video just was a silly video that shows my friend body painting me. And it kind of just leaves it to your imagination where she's painting. And then the next clip is me riding up a hill. And I did have a nude colored thong on. So let's make that clear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I just was on my bike with no clothes, just my thong and my boobs were painted and I did this stupid little skit where I'm like falling in a mud puddle and my dogs are attacking me and I skip away singing I will survive and it was just obnoxious and funny and yeah I submitted it on a uh, well but back in those days that was a VHS tape so the video camera I used I had to plug it into two VHSs two VCRs and push play record mm-hmm. stop play record stop to make the edit um and I had to overnight it cuz I was the deadline was the next day and I almost missed it cuz I almost didn't send it cuz I felt really insecure about it and I well I opened up the video with my face covered in mud cuz I had just come from a ride and it splatters your face perfectly so you can only see my eyes so that was kind of my opening of the video i said now you see how crazy i can be now let me show you how competitive i can be and i don't know i got a call like three days later (laughs) and then suddenly i was flying to africa within three weeks i think so Lindsay, when you went in to cbs to do your you know to meet with the cbs higher-ups did you, because obviously with your video, you showing your crazy, fun, sassy personality. Remember Kelly G said when she went in for her interview, they had her do push-ups in a skirt. Did they have you, I would imagine they'd have had you doing something. What was the craziest thing that happened when you went to CBS for your interview? You know, the interviews were a little intense. Um, I remember being on the van and going to CBS and no one made me do push-ups. But they did comment on my small chest and asked how I dealt with having a small chest. And I remember getting really fired up, like, why would you ask me that? That's so rude. Let me see what's under your pants, kind of a reaction. Um, But no, they didn't make me do push-ups or anything. They made me show my biceps once, I think. But I just remember they weren't nice. They were super intense. Every now and then, you know, we did lots of interviews. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm having trouble, like remembering which interview is which, but I do remember one time there was a whole room full of people firing questions at me that were kind of derogatory. Like, would you hook up with anyone? Would you hook up with a girl? Would you hook up with a guy? Like just strange questions that I'm pretty sure put me on the defense. And I had some sassy remarks back, which I'm sure is what helped them decide that, Mm-hmm. I'm controversial enough and have a loud enough mouth and speak my mind that I'd be great on the show because I'll cause a lot of drama. Can I ask T-Bird, <laughs> did you get asked any questions where they were trying to get a rise out of you? No, I didn't. <laughs> Interesting. No, I didn't. I didn't get to do push-ups or do anything. I just remember sitting What about in your the biceps? Tr- no. no, they didn't ask to see my biceps or anything. Mm. 
so weird. I think, I think they had, you know, you got to imagine that in the back room, they have a whiteboard and they have characters they're trying to fill, you know, the really sweet, nice Southern woman, which obviously is T-Bird, you know, and then the controversial ones, the ones who will stir the pot. And I'm sure I was on that list of like someone who isn't afraid to get pissed. If you ask me a question that I think is inappropriate, (laughs) I don't know. Mm -hmm. It was crazy, though. I remember walking out of some of those interviews in tears, like, what the fuck? Why are they so mean? So, Lindsay, I'll, I'll ask you if you if they ask you this. Once we got out um, out to Africa, I remember they were asking me different questions. And they asked me about, I think, about Linda Spencer. Do you think you're going to like her? Do you think? And I'm thinking, well, I don't imagine why I wouldn't like her. Did they ask you anything about the other players, maybe when they were trying to form these, our tribes? Did they ask you anything out there that stands out? Yes. They asked me if there were any men that I noticed that I was attracted to. Um, They definitely focused on that. That was kind of a big deal. Like, do you find anyone attractive? Is there anyone here who you look at, you think you might want to be friends with? But remember that we weren't allowed to talk to anybody. So we, we were, tra- we traveled for 48 hours on the same flight. We stayed in that hotel room for nine hours in like Amsterdam and we weren't allowed to talk to anybody. And then even when we did our survivor training out in Africa and we were staying in tents two feet apart, we weren't allowed to talk to each other. So that's when they would interview us and ask us all these questions about who we found attractive and who we naturally were gravitating towards. For sure. They asked me stuff like that. So did you say, did you say Big Tom? <laughs> totally, totally. No, I thought Ethan was guy. the cutest. I always thought Ethan was the cutest. He's more my type. They wanted me to be interested in Silas, but right, not, right. no, not my type. <laughs> Ethan, oh you know, God, that, the- that curly hair just got me right from the beginning. So, Lindsay, just imagine if Ethan had been put over where Silas was instead of Silas, and Silas was over with Baron. Wow, that would have changed the game up. I think it would have. I think that Ethan is just a really down to earth, genuine person and he's not conniving and malicious. And there's something about his personality. I think I would have connected with on a deeper level where Silas was more of like a partner in crime. And he kind of tried, you know, he, he did, he took the lead in our little alliance and sort of puppeteered us. And it was interesting that I was just a follower. And I just didn't have any sense of leadership. And I think Ethan, I probably would have formed more of an of a real friendship, uh, which I, I where I didn't feel that on our tribe at all. So, are you saying then that because I thought I don't think of you as a follower at all, but you're saying with the way it happened, the way that you young guys kind of split off and went together from the very beginning, once we got mm-hmm. off the transport. Are you saying Silas pretty much took the lead at that point and was pulling y'all together? A hundred percent. Yes. Totally. I mean, I, I naturally bonded with Kim and Brandon because they're silly and sassy. And, you know, Kim and I were around the same age. Um, Kim and I actually bonded in a van ride over to CBS during the interviews. We showed each other photos of our my dog and her cat on our phone in silence in the van. And I just remember thinking I could totally be friends with this girl. And when we saw each other in the airport, I remember us both like clapping our hands like, Oh, you got on me too. 
How so did just, you show her a, a dog photo in silence? Did one person just like pull out a dog photo first? God, I can't remember. And I don't, we didn't have smartphones back then. Yeah. So I don't know if I, I think I had a photo of her in my wallet. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just kind of like showed, somehow we started showing each other photos. <laughs> I don't even remember how, Amazing. but I definitely remember us like slipping photos to each other and like giggling in the back of the van because we weren't supposed to be talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I, yeah. Since you hadn't seen season one or two, did they send you videos to watch to get familiar with Survivor? Because you hadn't seen it, right? Once I finished the interview process and they called to tell me, well, they actually told me in LA that you've made you know, the final round and that you're going to need to pack your clothes and we're leaving in 10 days. Uh, my parents went down to Blockbuster Video and rented the VHS tape of season one. And we watched it together as a family. And I remember my dad saying, are you sure you want to do this? I just remember when Jeff said the tribe has spoken. I'm like, what am I getting into? This looks so cheesy. Yeah. Yeah, but it was too late. I was on it. So I watched it and was like, oh, no, what is this? (laughs) So, so, Lindsay, how did the name Mallrats Alliance come come to be known? Did y'all name yourself that or did that happen after the season aired that the social uh, social media were calling y'all the Mallrats Alliance? Well, no, Frank named us. Oh, Frank he, did. Oh, yeah. he named you Mallrats. Yeah, he was. Inter- you know, when they took us aside, in the I didn't interview, think he was a Kevin Smith fan. He totally called us Mall. I mean, or maybe I don't know. He called us Mallrats. He he named us something like maybe he said something right. like they're just here to like they're they're at the mall or something. He made some comment about us being just like clueless kids, kind of a mm-hmm. thing. And so then maybe Mallrats came about after the show, after hearing Frank mention something about us seeming like we're just kids at the mall. Um, but I, social media wasn't around when we were on Survivor. It was all chat rooms because the internet was pretty new. Mm-hmm. Um, I think social media definitely would have killed me if it was around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Lindsay, you know how we divided up right away with the, with the younger the younger players, which you were on, and I'm going to say the more mature players. This is so funny. I read something that you had said. So listen, this is kind of funny. So as my Lynn said in an interview afterwards, you said we were picking off the quote, old people, the old people. So then I started, as I'm doing my research on you, I'm looking and I'm thinking, okay, at the time when I played, I was 42. And now you are 46. Can you imagine, Lindsay, as active, as, as vibrant and as sassy and energetic as you are, as anybody referring to you at 46 or at 42 as an old person? Oh, yeah. No way. I punch him in the <laughs> face. 
Oh, God. Just <laughs> clueless. And, you know, I do catch people all the time saying to me, like, I can't, I can't get into mountain biking. I'm so old. I'm like 39. And I'm like, bitch, I'm 45, 46 now. Mm-hmm. And I just learned to jump in my late 30s. So, I mean, but the whole time in my life as a 25, 26 year old, I was really the maturity of a 16 year old. So the shit that came out of my mouth during that time, I had no clue what I was talking about. So yeah, don't hold that against me. Cause that was just bratty 20 oh, something thinking I'm so cool when no, I think I feel healthier and stronger than I've ever been in my life at 46 years old. So sorry. Sorry, (laughs) T-Bird. No, hey, no worries. I just thought it was interesting that I could point it out to you now because I see all that you're doing and how, you know, what you're doing on your mountain bike and you're so energetic and so young and so young spirited. So let me ask you this. Would your 26 year old, knowing what it knows back then, let your 46 year old go back and play again? And if so, how would you play? Would you play any differently? Yeah. Knowing what I know now, it would be hard to go back. Subjecting yourself to that kind of exposure to the world when you're stripped of all your comforts and obviously your hormones go a little crazy when you're not eating the same foods you're used to. You know, we weren't going to the bathroom. There's a lot involved with being on one of those shows that is out of your control. Um, and that is very intimidating. And even at this age, knowing what I know now, I would worry that that would crack me. However, with that said, I also practice mindfulness and, you know, self-reflection. And I know myself a lot better now. I'm a lot more confident, confident in my own skin. Um, so I think I could go on. I, I love people. I love bonding with people. I love hearing people's stories. So the 46 year old me would go on there with a state of mind of curiosity, embracing the connection I'm about to make with people and the experience I'm about to share with them uh, versus just this blind youngster coming in to be on TV with this focus of getting famous. And really, I we were us younger people were very focused on what was going to happen to us after the show aired uh, instead of being present in the moment of what we were going through then and there. And so that's kind of where a lot of my depression lies is in just regret and shame and looking back on what a fucking fool I was on that show. And, you know, I have people tell me both sides, Oh, you weren't that bad. Actually, you were really funny and I liked you, but I had people recognize me in New York city after the show aired and hunt me down to tell me they hated me on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happened a lot. And so I definitely feel like knowing what I know now, I would have been just a more gracious down to earth person instead of a egocentric loud mouth, 20 something. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit more about uh, where the, uh, you know, the, I, I don't know if regret is the right word, but w- where the depression about the experience comes from? Is it from that not being able to be there present in the moment when you were out there playing the game? Or uh, is it that it did not 
turn out like you thought it was going to when you and the other people from uh, Samburu thought that, okay, we are going to this and now we're going to leverage this experience into this other thing that's going to be this life-altering experience? Uh, do you Are you able to pinpoint exactly where um, the experience ended up uh, being a painful one for you? Oh, it started right after episode one aired. And the first words out of my mouth on national TV in front of all my friends and family were, I just started my period. I can't believe I have cramps. Mm -hmm. Um, Right there, I was totally ashamed of being on TV. I just thought everything that came out of my mouth was atrocious. I was humiliated in my behavior. Just watching myself on TV, I was... It was not the person I wanted to be. And when you're sort of faced with your own person from a different perspective, which not a lot of people get to do, it's not often that you're being filmed while all of your comforts are stripped away and you're starving and you're vying for a million dollars. I just was embarrassed about how I behaved. I was really, it was really depressing to see what kind of a person I was from a different perspective. I thought I was a shitty asshole after watching that show. And I lost a lot of self-esteem while the show was airing. I felt embarrassed to go into public. I felt embarrassed to go back to my job. I had gotten another advertising job after we got off Survivor because we had this gap before it aired. Then once it was airing and I was being recognized all over Portland, I just was embarrassed of myself. Um, and then I moved to LA, uh, to pursue, I moved to LA with Jesse and Kelly and Kim from my show. And every audition I went to or meeting I had, I just felt like I didn't belong. And who am I to be here in LA because I was on a reality show? I don't deserve anything out of this is how I felt. So many people, Lindsay and, and Rob, we know there's just so many people that want so badly to be on a reality show, not just Survivor, but mm-hmm. just a reality show. And there's so many things that come out of it. I mean, it can be a good experience, but a lot of times it's not a good experience. So, you know, it's interesting to talk to people. And Lindsay, that's why your story is so important with how it affected you for so many years, a lot of years until you've, you know, you found your biking and you've, you stopped beating yourself up and realize that you were a kid you know you were in your 20s wait how many of us do things in our 20s rob including you yeah we i'm look in back- my 40s i'd still do so much dumb <laughs> stuff right but you're not in the it's not for the world to see it's so it's not put on stage for the world to see so yeah no i agree it's uh an interesting interesting thing being on reality tv i honestly thought about starting a support group, some kind of a counseling group for people on reality TV, because we were pretty original. We were, you know, real world was about all they had out there. I think Survivor was kind of a fresh new thing and we didn't really know what we were getting into or what it was going to look like afterwards. Um, But it definitely can take its toll. And when I saw You know, even Brandon, Brandon was on our tribe and he had such a vibrant, sassy, confident personality. And he went the other way after Survivor and went to some dark places, I think, because the expectations of something coming out of it uh, weren't met. And 
I definitely felt like after watching some Bachelor episodes, I thought, oh man, these people are getting wasted on TV and getting humiliated. And I should start a support group for people who think Mm -hmm. they're going to get famous for going on TV and then end up being completely humiliated and don't want to show their face in the world ever again. That can be really fucking damaging. (laughs) Sorry, but it can. And and Lindsay, I don't know about Rob with your with your group, but I know with our um, sixteen players, quite a few of us, Lindsay. It looks like we kind of decided we're going to just kind of back out of all this, don't you think? I mean, quite a few. You mentioned Brandon, you know, a little bit. I call her a little bit, but Kim Powers, um, Linda Spencer. I mean, Silas. There's people that have really backed away from it. I Seems like quite a few out of the sixteen players. Rob, did your did your cast do that? Did many of your cast kind of back away from it? You ran toward the light, didn't you, Rob? Uh, not exactly. <laughs> I feel like that you know when we played, you know, it was a little bit of a different world in terms of like the social media where you go out on the show now and it's sort of like okay i'm here and i'm on social media and then you sort of like almost never go away because you're still there that for the people that played you know in the early days like when we did then there had to have been a desire to at least like remain somewhat in the public eye enough to have made it to the point when there was social media so people can really uh keep tabs on what's going on and whether or not people like uh, you know continue to be interested in this crazy world. Right. True. A lot of people got burned out. Yeah. 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 And what number show were you on, Rob? I, I was on six. Oh, okay. Okay. He was on with Heidi. Do you remember Heidi and Jenna? Well, if you Vaguely. weren't watching it, mm-hmm. I didn't watch. I didn't. I watched the one right after us, and I actually became really good friends with Gabriel. Yes, um, he was totally my people. He climbed mountains, and is we're still in touch to this day. He's a beautiful human, and but that was the last one I watched. I watched All Stars okay. just because of Lex and Ethan. Did you watch Winners at War with Ethan? No, I didn't. I just watched Ethan's updates and crossed my fingers for him, but I didn't watch it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't have TV. (laughs) We're just going to step away from our interview with Lindsay Richter here for one moment to thank a sponsor. Those are our friends over at Zip Recruiter. Now, of course, hiring can be challenging. We're not talking about Survivor Africa level challenging, but still a challenge nonetheless. That is until ZipRecruiter comes in. There's one place where you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where businesses can connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash survive. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job sites, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter makes the entire hiring process efficient and effective with features like screening questions to filter candidates and an all-in-one dashboard where you can review and rate your candidates. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, our listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash survive. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash 
Survive, S-U-R-V-I-V-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash Survive. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now let's get back to uh, catching up with Lindsay Richter. All right, so Lindsay, let's talk about how you got voted out because there's been a couple of changes that were I think are kind of interesting. All right, you got voted out on day 18 because of a vote slash revote. And because you had previous votes, that's what took you out. Because a lot of times nowadays, if there's a tie, it goes to build and fire. So, of course, you know, after that happened, they stopped doing past votes. That was this. Our season was the last season. So I guess good news. Yeah. Well, you know, the rules actually would would be so uh, in the scenario where ultimately uh, that there was what uh, there were three votes on you. Uh, and three votes on on Tom. Is that is that right? When you when you went out? No. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Because I a previous tribal council with my original team, they tried to get me out. Right, and I, it right. And you came and, down and to a tie. You had a tie. Yeah, you had a tiebreaker. So you had, you had two different ties uh, in your survivor career, and so <laughs> very dramatic. The, the, <laughs> the rules would be a lot different now. Where that one that there would not be a tiebreaker quiz. Uh, that wouldn't happen. That would be a revote. And then if there was another stalemate, it would go to rocks, uh, where people would pull rocks out of the bag. And that's how that tie would be ended up being settled. Uh, well, I feel like our survivor was kind of an experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, we were number three and I think our tribe was getting predictable yeah. because once we got Carl out, then it was four against three. So we kind of had the upper hand and I think it was too predictable. And that's when Survivor decided to swap tribe members on us and they had never done a twist in the game like that mm-hmm. yet. So that kind of screwed me. And then the tiebreaker was devastating. Oh God, what a way to go out. <laughs> yeah. Well, now they would have, you would have had, had uh, you would have been safe and everybody else would have had to draw rocks unless somebody would have flipped. Well, I just wish it was more of an athletic thing. Honestly, that's what I thought I was getting into was like a tiebreaker. Okay, let's do some sort of challenge where we have to, one of us has to beat each other at something other than questions, but like physical. It's kind of what I hoped for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. So Lindsay, what if it had been, what if it had been a fire challenge? So you had to build fire against Tom. Could you have beat Tom building fire? No way. Tom's a farmer. Well, had you practiced that? Yeah, we practiced. They taught us how. I mean, remember when we did that training, they taught us how to make fire and how to build a fire. But um, I was a city girl. I didn't have much experience building fire. So at that point, I probably wouldn't have been great at it. But at this point in my life, I've been traveling in a van across the country for almost 20 years. I would definitely be good at building that fire because I'm a different person. (laughs) Well, that's funny. I I did talk to Big Tom. I talked to quite a few of our castmates about you, Lens, and got some great feedback. Um, But one of the things that Big Tom said is if if it had gone to fire, that he thought he would have beat you only because, you know, he was a big outdoor, you know, he he went coon hunting all the time and they built fire. So he felt pretty confident that he could easily, you know, have done that. But totally, totally. a moment that stands out was when Big Tom, who I think he called himself Dr. Love, you know, you oh know, boy. Tom, had take took the tick. And this is what he told me. It said 
a normal man, it would have taken about 15 seconds to pull that tick off of your backside. And I, as he tells the story now, I don't know how long it took him, but a lot longer than 15 seconds. And that was by design, by the way. Yeah, I guess I kind of saw that once the show aired. I saw how long they were staring at my butt cheek, trying to burn the tick with a hot stick. <laughs> that was definitely another shining moment of mine. Mm-hmm. Having a tick in my ass on Survivor it was a really classy moment for me. <laughs> Wait, well, I mean, you didn't put it there. I mean, that's just what happened. Nope, nope. It sure stuck itself right in my butt cheek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And the and irony of that is the, the question I beat Carl in was a question about ticks prior to that happening mm-hmm. and i won the question about how to get a tick off and then i got a tick so ironic mm. all right so Lindsay, so in an interview you did back in the fall of 2001 and again i noticed i saw that you were on the cover uh with mark burnett what i'd mentioned in the intro but in a uh, interview back in the fall of 2001 you said to mark burnett after he quote changed the game up that you said to him that you, I am the most dramatic one. Ratings are going to go down. You'll be sorry. Nobody's going to watch this game when I'm gone. Do you remember saying that to Mark Burnett? Uh, no, I do not. Did I say that in Africa? <laughs> no, it was an interview that I found that you had done back in the fall of 2001. Oh, wow. Once again. Well, and you know, it's interesting, Lindsay, because they said, I think what Mark Burnett said is they had planned to do the tribe swap and everything all along. But I think you even mentioned it. I think it was, everything was getting so predictable with you guys slowly taking us out one by one that I felt like it was kind of a last minute. Hey, we got to switch this thing up and we got to do it soon. And that sounded like what you thought as well. I did think that. I also thought the SOS challenge was super subjective to, you know, they chose a challenge that they had to vote on um, because they needed a way to help the other tribe win something because <laughs> we were dominating. Remember, even That's when, right. even though we were divided as a tribe, we dominated all the challenges. We won almost every challenge. Yeah. So, so I thought that, that was subjective. I thought yeah. it was weird that suddenly there was a challenge they had to vote on. And when I saw it on TV, you guys had, or the other team had uh, those paints, but I still thought our SOS was way bigger. And Big so, Don, Tom did have a feather in his shorts. He did. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Such a silly little game. So, Lindsay, was that Probst? Was Probst the one that judged it? They usually have, like, an uh, expert up up in the plane. Yeah, they went up in a plane. I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, Lindsay, Uh, just to speak to your point, you know, you said that the ratings were going to go down without you. And I think that over time, you have been proven correct that over 30 million people a week used to watch Survivor Africa. And now Survivor is lucky if they get 8 million people a week to watch. Well, whatever. The numbers are a, way down. I was a young kid. I had, no, I had no idea what I was talking about. I wish I could go back and unsay so many things that just a naive yeah. idiot said. I don't know. Lindsay, I feel like that you see, you sound like you have so much regret over things you did when you were younger about this whole survivor experience. And 
you know, well, what's the big deal? We, we said, we said stuff and, uh, I, I don't think that, that any less of you as a person because you said, uh, crazy things that, uh, I said crazy things when I was, uh, you know, a, a younger person. I hope that people, you know, don't think I'm too much of an idiot. Yeah, I think just seeing the the public ridicule really s- drove it home. Mm-hmm. I I had already suffered from depression my whole life. Um, I'm just kind of one of those people, unfortunately, that would wake up feeling this like strange dark cloud over me. And while I have a lot of positive energy, I've always felt like there's two distinct sides to me: this side that's very confident and vibrant and sure of myself, and this side that's always been there. That's kind of that devil on your shoulder saying mm-hmm. you're not good enough you're not pretty enough you're not you're not going to make it and so it just kind of exacerbated those thoughts that were already there yeah. and I, I you know i also had a family who they know better now but at the time uh they raised me the best they could but i i had a mom who was pretty critical and judgmental and definitely wanted to keep up with the joneses and compared me to everybody else and I got arrested about a year after Survivor aired. I got drunk in a bar and it was ridiculous. And this bouncer tried to stop me from looking in this two-way mirror. It's the dumbest story you've ever heard. But he grabbed me and my top fell down because I had a tube top on. And I went to punch him and he put me in a headlock and dragged me out of the bar and I bit him. (laughs) So it's a great story, honestly. Once I look back, it's kind of funny. And I got taken in the police guard down to the jailhouse. That's never happened to me in my life. And here I was at 28 years old getting arrested. And my mugshot was on the front page of the living section of the Oregonian newspaper. Mm. And it said, Lindsay from Survivor goes crazy, bites bouncer. And then they Uh ended up writing an apology and saying they didn't know the whole story. I almost countersued the guy because he pulled my top off and it was this horrible thing. But what stuck with me most was my mom said, you are an embarrassment like that. You need to get out of Portland. You have embarrassed us. And that's kind of how I grew up. Like whatever you do, it's going to reflect on us. And if you embarrass us, you're a bad person. And I've had to undo a lot of years of thinking I'm not good enough when I mess up, you know? So Mm -hmm. it was just part of my personality to beat myself up. So clearly, Lindsay, those words stick with you. And so I can see the problems that you would have with your self-esteem because of that one million trillion percent. So and, and if you don't want to touch on this lens, we do not have to. You mentioned that before the game, you were one of those that has some mental health issues from, I guess, from a lot of things that you were just talking about with growing up. When you went through the casting process, did they ask you, I mean, we went, we all went to a, a psychologist and were tested and tested for hours with tests. Did anything show up there? Did they have any concerns? Did you have any concerns that you shared with them about your depression? Well, when we took that test that you're talking about, we had to remember we were in that room for like six hours taking a psychological yeah. exam. Um, yes, they came to me and I can admit this, uh, and said, we're concerned about, uh, your ability to handle this. And we're going to need approval from your therapist to let you on the show. And my therapist had to approve 
letting me on the show. And she was actually very concerned because she knew how sensitive I was. And that when I got down on myself, it turned to pretty dark thoughts. So yes, they were concerned. But my therapist said, if you really want this, I'll pass it. And I really wanted it and they passed it. And then when I got voted off, um, I couldn't stop crying for about four days back at the camp they sent us to. And so they had a psychologist there also that I had to work with every day to pick myself up off the ground. <laughs> Lens, did you have any meds that you were on before the game started or that you stayed on during the game? I had been on meds, yes, and I went off them for the show. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of people will ask through the years, what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. A cooler, the, a big the cooler treasure chest, the treasure chest with the tampons and the mm-hmm. <laughs> right. and all this stuff. I think Brandon didn't he have some type of patch or something from coming off smoking? Didn't he yep. have something in the treasure yep. chest? So yep. could and you Linda, could Linda you have medicine from being a cancer survivor? Okay, okay, all right. Could you? Was it suggested that you stay on those meds and have them with you? Uh, you know, I don't remember. I just remember um, feeling embarrassed that I was on them and just not wanting to deal with it. Well, you know, and I think Rob and I can probably, you know, from watching through the years, I think we've seen a few people that look like there might be some, some mental issues going on. And Lindsay, not even talking anything about you. I remember watching a couple of players, one particular, and I thought, I'm not sure they should be out there. It looks like there's a whole lot going on. And it kind of makes me wonder how closely they're looking. And I know they want drama. I know they want Mm -hmm. interesting, fun, crazy characters. But in Lindsay, that's why thank you so much for opening up to us about this because it is a serious, uh, serious subject. And can certainly see where it could have pushed you over, you know, with how you start before you even got there. Yeah. If social media was a thing back then, I I honestly don't think I would have survived it because I see how people treat people now on reality TV. I'm, you know, I'm not even on Twitter, uh, but I've, I've heard it and I've, I've seen some, you just, just comments even that some of my mountain bike friends, like pro pro mountain bikers get people ripping on them and questioning them, uh, that would have killed me. But, um, I, yeah, I see how people who already suffer from some mental health stuff, uh, can be extra damaged by being publicly humiliated or feeling publicly humiliated. Cause it's pretty devastating to think the world thinks you're a psycho or what did I get called? Bipolar, crazy whiner. You know, I cried every episode. So that was definitely something people commented on how unstable I was. And, and we all know that's 72 hours of filming and one episode. So maybe I cried twice in those 72 hours, but they made it show it like it was back to back. Um, and you know, even though they can't really, I don't like the word they edited me a certain way because you say what you say, you do what you do, but they can show little snippets of behaviors that are out of context from where that 
came from, right? Because they interview you and say, oh, you know, how are you doing? Do you miss your dog? You're missing your family. And then suddenly you're choking up and they just show you like sitting there choking up, but don't show the audience the context of it. Um, so I definitely think they got a lot of content of me throwing tantrums and crying and didn't show the context of them. <laughs> so it made it even worse. Like, oh, she's just crazy. <laughs> And did you, did your therapist, when you got back, regret? Because I'm sure she saw, you know, how you were once you got back and it aired. Did she help get you back on track? And did she feel any kind of guilt for letting you go out there? Such a, I mean, she probably wasn't aware either of. Yeah, no, I don't think I continued to see that therapist because I moved to LA pretty shortly after uh, the show aired. I mean, I think our show finished airing in, wasn't it January of 2002? Mm -hmm. And yeah, then I was, yeah. I'd moved to LA by that April. So I, and I'd stopped seeing a therapist. I wasn't on meds. I just flung myself into the LA lifestyle, which was very <laughs> traumatic. Talk about rejection. <laughs> hey, who <laughs> wants to reject me today? Who wants to tell me I'm not pretty enough or thin enough or smart enough or have good enough teeth? Who? Ready? Who wants to tell me? Well, I don't know. So I talked to Jesse earlier and Jesse said that you and Jesse were the American Barbie and the Latino Barbie. Y'all were the Barbies and you were the blonde Barbie. Beautiful. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because Jesse was saying just what you're, what you've been saying. Um, Jesse says, what you see is what you get. She has no filters, but she's so beautiful in so many ways, and she doesn't even know it. Jesse's awesome. She Jessie's is. Jesse's awesome. We had a really good time living in LA together. She was really, she surprised me. I didn't get to know her that well on the show because she wasn't my tribe, but when we traveled through Africa while waiting to go home after we got voted off, we, we really bonded. And then when we moved to LA together, I didn't realize how she's just tough. She just, she'll do anything. I threw on a mountain bike. She crashed within like five minutes, blew her knee open, laughed it off, got back on. And I thought this girl's freaking rad. She wasn't afraid to just put herself out there. So again, you think I'm a leader, but I was much, I was very much a follower. And I just kind of let Jesse organize these parties for us and red carpet events and Kelly Goldsmith. Kelly had a PR person and mm -hmm. she would kind of drag me around with her to these different parties. And I just didn't know how to find my way in LA, but I felt like Jesse and Kelly were great at just throwing themselves into whatever. And I just was kind of along for the ride. Um, but I really enjoy getting to know Jesse and how tough she is and how rad she is. She's a pretty down to earth person. I'm so glad you mentioned about you, that you got her on a bike because that's the one story that she told me. I'm like, that's it. That's all I need, Jesse. That's perfect. She said how <laughs> you got awesome. her on a bike to the canyon, teaching her how to bike, teaching her everything. She says she had a gnarly fall, landed on her face, messed up her face, just, and then she fell. She got up, and you know what? You yelled, that was awesome. You were just so excited that she had taken such a fall. And I mean, I thought that's priceless. That's the story I want to tell from Jesse. So you just told it. So that's great. Yeah, she's great. And that's kind of how we live. That's kind of our motto with Ladies All Ride is we celebrate failure. Failure is a part of life. And, you know, we run a Girls All Ride program as well now. And we use a book called The Confidence Code for Girls that we integrate into our teachings. And we talk to them about 
self-esteem and believing in themselves and smart risk versus dumb risks. And, you know, we talk about failure behavior. We ask these girls, like, what's your failure behavior? When you fail at something, do you throw a tantrum? Do you cry? Do you blame? Or do you brush it off? And I'm reading this book with these, you know, nine, 10 year olds thinking, damn it, I wish I learned this stuff at that age. Because my failure behavior was tantrum. Mm -hmm. And I definitely saw that on Survivor when I first was getting better at mountain biking. Once I met my now ex-husband, he was so good and I couldn't keep up and I'd crash all the time. My failure behavior became tantrums again. And it wasn't until I had the bike teaching me that a tantrum is going to do nothing but break your bike um, that I realized I can choose my attitude. I can choose my behavior. Nobody taught me that. My bike taught me that. Are you able to celebrate the failure that you talk about from your survivor experience now? You know, now I look back at the experience like what an incredible once in a lifetime opportunity that not many people get to have. I really do cherish that I was on it. I was just at a dude ranch three days ago in Montana, sitting at a table with a a couple who asked me how I got started with this mountain biking program. And I kind of looked at my friends and they're like, just tell them. And I tell them my story and it leads into, then I went on this TV show called, I always say this TV show called Survivor. Mm -hmm. And they just freaked out. Oh my God, what one were you on? And I said, Africa. And they're like, Ethan, oh my gosh. Oh, we could got to take a photo with you. We got to send this to our sons. They're going to freak out. They just watched your season. And it's moments like that where you're like, oh, I just, I just got elevated up a notch in their book, like, (laughs) because I was on this crazy reality TV show 20 years ago. And it's moments like that where I'm like, yeah, it's really cool. I got to do something really cool and I'm really proud of it. And I'm really honored that I got chosen. So looking back now, I I see the beauty and having an experience like this, the people I've met because of it, I wouldn't have met my husband now, ex-husband, if I didn't do it. And even though it was a little bit of a crazy marriage. It was also a beautiful marriage. It got me to where I'm at. I learned so much from him. Uh, I, I, I now look at every experience as a learning lesson. You know, life is all about learning as we go and trial and error and experiences and how we handle those experiences and how we respond to them and how we uh, allow them to help us grow. And so of course I look back on it now, like, yeah, that was awesome. I got to do something that's really cool. That's will go down in history as the beginning of reality TV. That's pretty cool. And I'm really proud that being on the third season ever just feels kind of cool. Like, oh, there's been how many seasons? Like 40. And I was on the third. That's rad. So um, also, you're kind of part, you're absolutely part of history with Survivor. And I want to know, do you still have no piercings? Oh, I do not have piercings. I have no interest in jewelry. (laughs) Just a helmet. I wear a helmet and gloves every day. (laughs) All right. So, Lindsay, so do you want me to tell this story? But I think it's going to be better if you tell it. Which... Remember this question, which female survivor does not have anything pierced, including her ears? Yes. And Lex answered correctly because Lex and I had just had a conversation about how I don't have any piercings. Um, I did get my ears pierced in junior high in seventh grade and they got infected and I closed them up. So I don't know if that was 
part of the reason Lex didn't win because I had been pierced at one point, but I had no but who knew that in my ears. No, I don't think anyone knew that. It was a bit of a They didn't go and uh, <laughs> do the research and like, actually, uh, Lex, uh, she did on in seventh grade. Uh, we have <laughs> yeah. our sources tell us that there was, she did have her ears pierced. I'm sorry. No, no. As far as they knew, because I was fascinated by Lex and all his tattoos and I judged him so harshly when I first saw him. I remember seeing him in the interviews thinking, oh my God, Look at that tattooed freak. And then Lex and Kelly, his wife, who are literally 80% covered in tattoos, became the two people in my life who truly changed. I'm going to cry. Changed my life. They're two of my best friends. (laughs) So funny how I judged him so harshly. And then they became my best friends. And it's funny because my mom won't ever listen to this. She has Alzheimer's now. So, um, Kelly, uh, my mom said, Oh, so you're going to have Lex and Kelly walk down the aisle first for the wedding, for my wedding. And I wanted them to read some passages from, Oh, the places you'll go by Dr. Seuss. And my mom asked if Kelly could please wear, um, a long sleeve dress, uh, because she was worried her friends would judge her because of her tattoos. And so I, of course, told Kelly that, and she knew I had a lot of issues uh, with my mom. And we had this great discussion before the wedding, wear whatever you want, wear sleeveless, wear your combat boots, be yourself. And Kelly and Lex walked down that aisle of my wedding with their tattoos shining bright in her combat boots in all her beauty and opened the ceremony to my wedding, despite my mother's wishes to not see any tattoos on that day. (laughs) Yep. So, Lindsay, I'll let you be emotional for just a minute, and I'll try not to get emotional when I tell this. First of all, Lex was actually was the mastermind, the mastermind voting you off, off right? right? Yes, Lex was a big part of it, yes. <laughs> yes, yet Lex is a very huge part of your life for the last almost 20 years, which you just said. I did reach out to Lex and Kelly because I know that they're so important to you. And they told me, some, of course, some really beautiful things. The main thing I just want to say is that they've got hundreds of touching and deep stories about y'all's friendship together. Um, but they said that, you know, Lex said that Kelly and I adore Lindsay and have always considered her like one of our kids, that you've been a part of so many, that y'all all been a part of so many happy and challenging times in her life and that y'all are bonded as family. So, you know, I know y'all are really close. Ethan also says some really beautiful things about you. He said, make sure I ask about your charity work and your bike camps for women, all the awesome stuff you're doing. Um, He thinks the world of you as well. So, yeah, they're great. They're great. I mean, the experience that we all went through. I mean, what we did a Zoom call not too long ago and after 20 years that we all got back together, it was like it was no time at all. Yeah, it was cool to see everybody. It was great. And just, you know, I, I was worried about that because I just thought everybody hated me because that's just kind of where my brain goes is like, well, they all hated me. I was an asshole. And it was really great. I actually had some private messages with Carl after that because I really thought Carl hated me. And and he did. I think he did for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but, you know, he, he 
that he said some really great things that made me, I, I apologized to him and said, I just didn't think anybody would ever want to hear from me again. Cause I was such a brat. And it was just great to kind of hear that, you know, everybody's moved on, obviously it's 20 years, but that they have a, a love for, for everybody. We have this connection that no one else can ever replicate except us who are out there in probably one of the more challenging survivors there was because it was just hot and dry and we weren't allowed to do anything. We weren't allowed to leave our bomas because of the animal danger. So I definitely think we had a more unique experience kind of being stuck with each other. We didn't get to go frolic in any water or swim in an ocean. We had none of that. We just sat and picked our leg hairs all day and waited for the next challenge. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Pretty much. <laughs> and Lance, I also reached out to Frank and I don't know if you know this about Frank, but he's got a wicked sense of humor. He really <laughs> does. He but I, I, I said, please just give me a story, a Lindsay story, Frank. I got to have one. And so this is what he told me. He said, um, you'll appreciate this, Lance. He said, on the way to the drop off point, as we were sitting side by side on the truck, we were holding hands. So I didn't know you guys were partners on the transport truck going in. And so I went nuts. I'm like, Frank, are you kidding me right now? Y'all were holding hands. He goes, of course not. <laughs> That's fine. I was like, wait, what? I just thought to myself, I don't hold people's hands. I have really sweaty hands. <laughs> well, do you remember? That's who you were sitting next to on the transport yes, before they I dropped us off. You were, you were next to Frank. I well, so when I he just, told me y'all were holding was, hands, I believed him. <laughs> no, but I was very judgmental, and Frank scared me right away. His military kind of demeanor and his, you know, he was very straightforward and, and kind of bossed us all around. And that's sort of that's sort of where the alliance started with us young people, of us just kind of rolling our eyes at Frank's orders all the time. <laughs> Lindsay, do you have any good stories about T-Bird? Oh, I mean, T-Bird's impossible not to like. And even though we had this weird rift between the, you know, the more mature and the less mature, um, I loved her. Like, you can't not love her. She's just so warm and welcoming and kind and bubbly. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't, I have not one bad thing to say about her. And I do remember even when things were getting weird and really tense between us all, she never broke her kindness. She was always kind to everybody. And even though I know Linda is also a kind person, she got pretty harsh with me and like asked me that question. Didn't your mama ever hug you? Um, which was real gnarly for me to hear because I don't have a mom that I connect with very well and never did. So that question kind of put me over the edge of like, yeah, okay, you just hit me where it hurts. <laughs> wow. And, and Lindsay, I remember that. So a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure y'all were going to vote me out for, until that happened. I think that's oh, what y'all told me later. And now that you say this, I can see how it cuts so deep for her to say that with the relationship that you've shared with us about your mom. So, wow, that's, I can see why that would, would hit close to home and right, right below the belt. And you're right. She is a sweetheart. It, mm -hmm. I mean, totally. she would never totally. say anything to, to, to hurt you intentionally. I'm sure she never realized that that would be the one trigger that would be, that would do it. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry about I that. I mean, I, des I deserved it, though. Like, after that tribal council, I very, 
distinctly remember that episode showing me in the like ultraviolet light, you know, that green light at night, picking my teeth with a stick because that's how we brushed our teeth, saying something like, ha ha ha, you didn't vote me out. You don't want to fuck with me when I'm pumped or something along those lines that was so humiliating and embarrassing. Uh, so, you know, it was great though. I, I was every, I was every preview for every Survivor episode I was on. It was always like, Lindsay does this or Lindsay cries or Lindsay fights. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Mm. Um, but I definitely remember picking my teeth and yelling at Linda like, ha ha ha, you didn't vote me out. I'm going to get you. And that's when she said that. And it was awful because I wasn't a hugger because I wasn't hugged growing up. So Frank, tell us y'all were holding hands. Then I can tell it's definitely not true. <laughs> definitely not. Clarifying. <laughs> no. Uh. So Ethan told a great story. So Rob, we did like Rob, like y'all did. We did some, I think the very first thing we did together was an event that Brandon put together in Dallas, Texas. And we all went okay. to it. And Ethan tells the greatest story. And I've got to tell this because I had forgotten about it. Lance, and, and you might have to tweak it a little bit. But Ethan remembers a story that when we were oh. in Texas together doing, it was a Smirnoff? Was it a Smirnoff event we were I doing? I definitely remember Smirnoff being everywhere. Okay. So... <laughs> Ethan tells the story of how you and Kelly, you had on an outfit that you had some type of outfit on with the vanilla outfit, and that Kelly came in and ripped your sleeves off and cut your skirt into a mini skirt <laughs> to go to this event. Oh my gosh, Kelly and Jesse used to dress me because I'm like I am a ho I'm a horse nerd. Like that's who I am. Growing up, a I was horse just a nerd. horse total horse nerd. I loved horses. I had a horse. I wore horse t-shirts and ripped jeans and I was just a horse nerd and an athlete. Those were the two things that I really identified with being an athlete and loving horses. I had no concept of fashion. And I even got this in my sorority when I was in college, girls would ask if they could take me shopping because I just didn't fit in with their fancy dress. And so when we had to go to all these survivor events, even the survivor finale, someone else dressed me. Um, but yeah, that it is true. I had on this like red pleather skirt. It was like just below the knees and I don't know, some kind of ugly top that Kelly was just like, no, and cut the skirt up to just about under my butt cheeks. And yep, she ripped the sleeves <laughs> off. They put some makeup on me. And even in LA, when I lived with Jesse, every time we went out to a party, Jesse would dress me. She would just put the clothes out and say, this is what you're wearing. And off we'd go. <laughs> it was, so, oh, Lindsay, that's why this is, Lindsay, yeah, but listen, this is so funny then because I remember this about you. When we got together in LA, you know, I was what, I said 42. I had on mom jeans and you said, T-Bird, you have got to stop wearing those mom jeans. And Lindsay, after that night, I wore no more mom jeans. I went out and bought all brand new jeans. So that's so funny that you were my fashion, my, you were my fashionista when you're telling me that they were your fashionista. Oh, that's so funny. I probably only said that to you because you were so hot that you did not need to be wearing mom jeans. You needed to be dressing like the hot specimen that you were, <laughs> are, <laughs> and you haven't aged a day in 20 years. You still look the same. 
And Lance, who knew that mom jeans would come back? Right, and I got rid of all those after you told me. Mom jeans are back. And I still tell the girls who I know, this girls in their 20s, what are you wearing those for? They're coming up past your belly button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I still don't know fashion. I still dress. It's so great the lifestyle I have because my mountain biking clothes are pretty much my fashion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did you get sick, Lindsay? I know Lex was really sick when we got back from Africa for what, maybe six months to a year? Um, Clarence, Clarence was telling me, by the way, that you are beautiful and awesome. And what he remembers that when y'all went on your, the non-jury members went on your safari all around, that you two got really sick. I did get really sick. They, um, helicoptered me to a tiny little hospital, um, in the middle of kind of in, in, in the middle of Kenya, in the bush. Um, I remember having to step over like chickens and goats and in a dirt field uh, to get in to see the doctor. And I remember them bringing a needle over and the survivor doctor was there uh, escorting me and they made sure that the needle came out of a package and they drew my blood and they put their arms in the air and said, she had malaria, she has malaria, she has malaria, get her to a hospital. So then they sent me on a private plane uh, from there to Nairobi where they admitted me in the hospital. And they wouldn't let me contact my parents or anything. They just put me in the hospital. I spent the night. Uh, I guess it was just a gastrointestinal thing. And they fixed me right up with some antibiotics. I stayed the night in a hotel. And then they airplaned me back to where we were staying in the middle of Kenya. But I got super sick. I was, it was coming out of both ends for a few days. Jesse and I were mm. rooming together in one of those, you know, glamping tents in the Masai Mara when it got really bad and you know how we had a a guide, we had a woman traveling with us. Um, She went and got me some Pepto-Bismol and they tried everything and it wouldn't stop. And I felt like I was going to die. It was pretty scary kind of not having them take it seriously at first. Um, But then, yeah, I was fine after that. I didn't, I didn't get sick uh, when I got home. Did did Clarence have to go to the hospital also? I can't remember. He might have. I remember Jesse got in a car accident one day when they went into it. They got in a Jeep to go somewhere when we were traveling and they got in a car accident. She had to go to the hospital. I don't remember if Clarence had to go to the hospital or not. My gosh, all this behind the scenes stuff. I didn't even know. Rob, what about that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, T-Bird, I thought you guys had a, a reunion. I thought you guys were tight. <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to have to do a part. little more catching up. I didn't know about all this kind of all this stuff. Well, remember when I was put on in the van on the show after the SOS challenge, my kidneys were failing and I passed out and was crying and had the worst pain in my kidneys. And they put me on an IV for four hours during the show. They oh, pulled a, remember, they just pulled a van up and threw me in the van and yeah. put an IV in my arm and then tossed me back into the game. <laughs> <laughs> no one saw that. <laughs> yeah, I got I got sick a few times. Well, Mark Burnett needed you in the game for ratings, Lens. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, and I cut my finger too right in the beginning, and it swelled up the size of a golf ball, and they had to drain it. Oh Africa my god, was gnarly. Yeah, yeah, it was gnarly. And then Ethan got stung by a scorpion and like lost the use of his limbs for like hours. T Bird, did you have any problems? No. Not that I know of. I'm not, not very exciting, am I? No. I didn't get to do anything in the casting <laughs> well, interview. Jesse, nothing happened. Jesse was sick. 
she was sick. She got voted off because she couldn't stop vomiting. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's why we'll probably, that's one of the reasons we'll probably never go back to Africa <laughs> or any more of the survivor seasons. Mm-hmm. But, but the surroundings and the environment was beautiful. Yeah. At least not that part of Africa. Yeah. I've been back twice. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Hey, Lindsay, let me ask you another question. When Lex and Big Tom and Kelly G came over for the tribe swap, did you ever think, or did y'all, I, I asked Kelly G about this. She said y'all did not approach her about coming into their alliance. Did y'all, why didn't you think about that? Since she was also, you know, young, like you guys were. Let's see, Kelly G was, oh, Kelly G was 22. Kelly G was the youngest. She was, yeah. Did I mean, did Silas approach her? He's 23 and he was, you know, did he approach her did it, about coming on with you guys so you could get Lex or I Tom out? I mean, I don't, I don't really remember that. I don't think we did. I think we were pretty scared to do anything wrong. Um, but I was the one who was talking to Kelly about that. I would vote for Brandon if they wanted to vote for Brandon. And that's what ultimately screwed me was Lex was like, there's a reason she wants to get one of her own out of here and it was because i was scared and i knew i had votes against me and just kind of wanted to align with anyone other than who i was aligned with well why did y'all go after big tom instead of lex did you see the leadership in lex at that time when he was over there yeah i don't remember why i i don't know i think maybe Silas had told us that he had some votes against him or something. I remember seeing Kim um, hand signaling to Lex and them during one of the challenges. She was making an L and I, I just remember seeing that and wondering if it had to do with me. So that's, I think, when I got super paranoid. And uh, yeah, I don't, it's all very vague 20 years later. Mm -hmm. my, my brain was a little yeah. foggy as a young crazy person <laughs> all right so Lindsay, don't be mad but the l was about you well i knew that later and it was from kelly right no it was i thought it was from kim johnson or maybe both of no because kelly was she was doing it to what kelly ah uh, she was trying to tell kelly Lindsay has votes vote for Lindsay. crazy game well look how far you've come look how far you've come lens yeah, totally. I live a really great life. I'm really lucky and blessed. I get to ride my bike and inspire women and have tons of friends in every state in this country because of mountain biking. It's pretty awesome. So where can people go to check out what you're doing and potentially get involved? Yeah, they can go to our website at ladiesallride.com. And the name really stems from ladies should all ride bikes because bikes are very empowering and confidence building. Um, Instagram or ladies all ride. It's my name, Lindsay Richter on there. Facebook, ladies all ride mountain bike skills camps. Yeah, we're just, we're really proud of what we get to do. And um, yeah. the, the more women who want to get involved and Bike sales are through the roof right now because a Bikes lot of are people, hot. yeah, after quarantine, I think a lot of people realize it's a great, it's a great sport you can do with the kids and more and more cities or and towns are building mountain bike trails throughout this country. Um, Ethan and I always try to get together because I go teach in Vermont and it's really close to him. Um, and I've tried to get him a bike and we're always talking about doing something on bikes together. 
it's just a really empowering bonding sport. And I feel really lucky that I get to do it. And I just want to see more women try mountain biking because you're not, you don't have to worry about cars. It's a great way to get out in the woods and feel the fresh air in your face and see the mountains. It, it doesn't have to be gnarly. There's plenty of trails being built around the country for all levels of riders. It's just a really awesome sport. And I'm really proud to have that as my, you know, kind of my, my platform to inspire people. I feel really lucky that after all that I've kind of gone through personally, that I'm in a position now, you know, even Survivor helped get me here. I feel like I'm in a place where I really know myself and I just want to help other women make sure they're, they're tapping into their full potential. And mountain biking is just such a catalyst for growth and change. And it's just what I do and what I'm really stoked I get to do. Lindsay, when will you get T-Bird on a bike? She's on that treadmill constantly. <laughs> Come on, T-Bird. That's bad for your knees. Mountain biking is a low-impact sport, provided you stay on. So hold it just a minute. So, Linz, so I actually have a 40-year-old Schwinn. And I was talking to my husband about it because he actually, I think he's got a, a specialized. Are you familiar with that? That's what my husband has. I don't know. I know you're a big bike girl. But I guess the 40-year-old Schwinn that weighs 200 pounds is probably not going to impress you very much. Sounds like me. <laughs> what? But it's, no. Yeah, Liz, Lindsay, no words, no words says it all. So, yes. No, I, any bike is a, is a beautiful bike, but those those older bikes are a little bit more dangerous on trails. You can ride that around the sidewalks and to go get an ice cream. But if you want a mountain bike, you need a proper mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to my husband about that. Just make sure your brakes work. So, Lindsay, you're also on your own uh, Instagram, you said. It's Lindsay Richter. And you're also on Facebook, right? Yep, yep. We can see pictures and everything of uh, ladies all right on that because I've seen that. So I just want to say, Lindsay, that your journey was exactly what it was supposed to be. Please have no regrets. I mean, it took each and every high and each and every low to get you to the amazing, one-of-a-kind, spirited, sassy, sassy girl that you are. And look at all that you're touching. You're touching so many people, so many women by sharing your life's adventure and work. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for your part in my journey also. I think the Aww. world of you. Oh, thanks, T-Bird. Well, I really appreciate it. Vice versa, I think the world of you as well. And I'm really honored you guys wanted to talk to me. I see, I feel like most people have just forgotten that I was ever on the show. Never. <laughs> so no. it's really nice no, to be really. included. I really appreciate it. You were a pioneer. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> a got pioneer started. of what not to do. <laughs> no. Uh, Lindsay, don't beat yourself up. People, I think pe the only people that remember are the people that look back fondly. Right. Well, well all thanks. these looky-loos who are sort of like these casual people that cast up their nose, uh, they've long forgotten about the bad stuff. The only people that remember <laughs> this are the people that love it and look back at it fondly. Well, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> So, Rob, you called her a pioneer. I'm going to call her a trailblazer because it kind of fits with yes. her. Oh, literal. Yes, double meaning. And, yeah. <laughs> and so let me just say this. I just want to say, Kelly G, she sent me this in bold and in, in all caps to tell her not to be so hard on herself about how she acted on the show. Kelly G wanted me to make sure and tell you that. So there it is. Oh, well, thanks. I've been wanting to reach out to Kelly G, too, because I want some marketing advice. <laughs> yeah, she's the, the expert. She is, yeah, she and is. she totally understands that my job is it's kind of behavioral. It's, you know, I work with a lot of uh, psychology. When you're teaching women to do something they're scared of, a lot of psychology is involved. So 
definitely want to reach out to Kelly because I think she's the coolest smarty pants. Okay. Yeah, she is. All right. Lindsay, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, guys. It was great talking to you. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. T-Bird, there you go. You nailed that one. Yes. Did you do your bell? Did you do your bell? We did it at the same time. We did? Whoa. Okay, good. Yeah, you nailed it. That was... Yeah. Rob, that has got to touch so many people. I mean, I knew that Lynn's had a really, really difficult time, but I didn't realize a lot of things that I just learned. And I'm so glad that she opened up. She was to open up and and tell us and share with us. I know is going to help other people listen to this. So, and, and I've always believed this too, as far, whether it's mountain biking or yoga or, or running weightlifting, whatever you do, I think physical activity is so important for your mind. And just it, I think it helps in so many ways. And of course, talking to Lindsay, you can see what it's done for her and now what she's doing to help so many other, other women. So it's what, hold on. I had to dig it again, Rob. Okay. Did you realize, I mean, did you realize the struggles or had you, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's kind of a blur. It has been a long time ago. And Back in the day, when we were all doing these um, little fundraisers together, we'd see each other, we'd meet each other for a minute, and and we didn't really spend much time together. So you probably didn't know that about Lindsay. Yeah, I didn't know that about her. Uh, I'm surprised. I was surprised to hear that she had such a negative experience because, look, so many of us have done dumb things on the show. And it's like, okay, yeah, that, um, I did not think that she had done anything that was so heinous or anything like that, that, uh, people would have, uh, judged her, uh, so much. But it sounds like that a lot of it came from, you know, being, uh, in a smaller town and her family having a lot of judgment about how she played. And so I think that that's where a lot of it came from. And so I was really sad to hear that it had made uh, such a negative impact on her. Well, but, you know, her journey has taken her from there to here. And because she went through all that, the amazing things that she's doing now. But, you know, that's what I wonder with people, which we talked about. When you go on these reality shows or you're put out in front of the world with the social media now, you got to be pretty tough because you know you're going to get. I mean, everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's going to have. Unless you're T Bird. Well, n- no, you know that's not true, Rob. So, Rob, especially for example, you know, I've been watching Big Brother, which I told you about. I started watching it last year because Bailey, who was a Delta flight attendant right. uh, last summer, I started watching it. I'm watching it again this year because Bailey was on it. And, you know, I'm just, it's like anything. You kind of start watching it and then you get to know the characters. And, you know, I've seen how, and I, you know, I've done some personal private texts to you about a few people mm-hmm. um, that I won't mention, but I see how people treat each other and things that people say to one another. And I think, wow, you know, it's got to have a repercussion for them when they get off because I'm reading, you know, what people are saying about how people are acting in there and, and that's going to affect them when they come out of there and it's going to affect their family and if they have children. So, I mean, it's really when you put yourself out there, you put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. So I was so disappointed to see Ian go this week. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is what I was wondering. Yes, I know. Uh, well, we we talked to another uh, Ian, so uh, not not much we could do for Ian Terry. Spoiler alert. Well, you know what? And I guess too, when you go in as a winner, whether you go in in a winner, whatever it is, survivor, you know you're going to be targeted. That's kind of you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unfortunately, that's kind of part of it. But I really liked him. I know that you have a really close bond with Ian, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, he's been on the podcast for uh, for a long time, and so uh, yeah, he's a friend, a friend of mine. I wouldn't say like we're we're best friends, like we are. Yes, yeah, we're we're much we're much better friends. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, Big Brother's getting interesting. Hey, so this is what I'm wondering. You know, they were making a big deal about who the uh, Big Brother neighbor is. Yeah. Oh, T-Bird. I, I didn't know we're really going to get in the weeds on Big Brother. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because I'm concerned about Ian. So I'm kind of wanting to know who the who the neighbor is over there wherever Ian's staying. Because I think Ian's going to need a little companionship or somebody for the next week because he's going to be in there by himself. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine, too. But then I was trying to think, who could who would be a fun neighbor for Ian? And this is who I came up with. And then you tell me who you would come up with. I think Reem would be a great neighbor. Oh, yeah, she would be good. But they Ian. said it was a big brother legend. Oh, no. That's who's coming. That's who's going to be next to the house. Mm-hmm. That's actually going to visit the people that are still in there. I'm talking about Ian. That's off to off into a house by himself. Mm-hmm. He needs a neighbor. So I'm thinking that neighbor should be Reem. Okay. Dude, you know what? Have you ever met Reem? I have not. Oh, you're in for a treat one day, T-Bird. She's the I best. I know. I want to meet She's her. She's the best. I know she is. I want to meet her. I thought, who could pick up his spirits better than Reem? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you could move in. Well, I'd like to meet Ian. Actually, I would I would like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Once you're out, you're out. That's it. You're I not coming back it. in, right? I think that's it. Yeah. There's no edge of extinction, I don't think. Well. No. Sometimes. Sometimes there is, but... Um. All right, T-Bird. Well, great work once again. I'm so glad we got Lindsay. I hope everybody enjoys her. T-Bird, do you have another one of these in the hopper for sometime soon? Are you working on anything? Oh, my gosh. Rob, you know I'm always working on somebody. Yes. I'm always working. I'm, actually, I'm working on quite a few. I've got a lot of irons out in the fire. Um, but what I was talking to you about earlier was a lot of the people we want are... Are people that are not on social media. They pretty much close the door on Survivor and they don't really want to open up that chapter of their life, which is why we want them because some of these people have done some really remarkable things like Keith Famey, like Ian Rosenberger, um, like Mm -hmm. Lindsay, like Lindsay. And that's why we want them. So now I've kind of turned my strategy around when I'm reaching out to these people to say, Hey, this is not all about Survivor. This is about, you're a package deal. You've got a lot of stuff you've done that we want to explore and we want to talk about. So I got a lot of irons out, so I'll keep you posted. Keep the suggestions mm-hmm. coming. Everybody keep the suggestions coming. I'm keeping track of all of them. Um, and I appreciate, I appreciate the comments and the suggestions. All right. Well, T-Bird, great job once again. Uh, can't wait to uh, fire it up again on another episode of Talking with T-Bird, of course. Uh, thank you for all your hard work, T-Bird. You're welcome, Rob. Thank you for having me. Okay. And thanks, everybody.
Thank you for the segment. Oh, thank- thanks, everybody. <laughs> thanks, everybody. And thanks to the patrons of Rob's Podcast, keeping all of this podcasting possible. Head on over to robiswebsitecom slash patron for more information about everything we have going on in our patron Facebook community and much more. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. If you-